Welcome to Straight Talk with Kathy, your go-to source for health and wellness discussions from one of our country's leading motivational speakers, Kathy Robinson Pickett. And now, without further delay, here's Straight Talk with Kathy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's Straight Talk with Kathy. I'm your host, Kathy Robinson Pickett, and I'm a woman with something to say. And this week, I'm going to spend the entire show um, reflecting on the 30th anniversary of the first case of HIV AIDS being diagnosed in the United States. The last few weeks, my phone's been ringing off the hook with reporters and different folks wanting to do stories and remember different things that have happened. And um, it's been a bit of an emotional time for me. It's brought back some memories that have been um, pushed down and just kind of not thought about in a while, but it's also kind of made me mad. Um, it is a big anniversary and it's a, a big time that we definitely should remember and honor folks and celebrate the lives of folks that have gone on and celebrate the lives of folks that are still here. But I guess what's kind of upset me is the fact that, um, this isn't just about one day. Um, this is, 30 years of history, but it's also every new day marks another day of history. And in this fight, in this battle, uh, the last couple of years have actually seen us kind of go backwards because we've lost funding and we've certainly lost awareness. Uh, HIV is no longer the disease of the week. And 10 years ago, uh, I would be in a school every single day speaking about HIV and AIDS and doing education and prevention messages, and it's just not that way anymore. So um, although it's a time that we need to reflect, it's on those we've lost and the gains that we've made, it's also a time we need to say, what are we doing? And why are we still having the new infections we're having? Because we know we know how to not get this disease, and we know that it's about education and prevention. Unlike a lot of people, I'm not terribly hopeful for a cure. A vaccine? Yep. A cure? I just don't know. But I know what we do have, and what we do have is education and prevention, and we are not doing enough of that. I can safely say that. But that's not what I want to talk about in this time with you today. I really want to reflect um, on the the last 30 years of my life and what AIDS has meant to me. Um, when the first case was diagnosed, it was the summer of my junior year in high school. So you might know that I can't think back to remembering anything about that at all. Um, my first memory of HIV however, occurs um, in late 1984, early 1985, while laying on a couch in my apartment with my best friend Scott and watching one of the first AIDS movies. And I tried so hard to find it online, and um, I know it was called something like A Summer's Frost, but I absolutely can't find it. I've got obviously got the name wrong, but... Um, that first movie that I watched with him, I was so afraid for him because he was a young white gay man. And, um, I was just 
terrified that this could happen to him. And at that time, I remember that um, I spent a lot of time in the the local gay bar in um, Tallahassee, Club Park Avenue. I was drinking Cokes. I never was one to drink much alcohol, but I had a lot of gay friends at that time. And I can remember every time I was in that bar, I would look around and think about that movie and be afraid of what could happen to some of them. And interestingly enough, as I reflect back on that now, I was already positive. Um, the rape happened in July of 84. I already had the virus and had absolutely no idea. And nothing in any media, in any presentation, in any information that was out there about HIV and AIDS at that time would have led me to believe that I could be infected with the virus. And so it's really interesting. I, I've reflected on that a lot over my life. And, um, you know, life takes funny paths. At any rate, that time was was pretty prominent with HIV being on my mind. However, as I began to... Um, have more and more seizures from the attack. It got where I had to move home. And I moved home to my parents' house in Clewiston and was going to school um, at Palm Beach Community College. And uh, my dad was a professor there. And I was having a lot of medical treatment done, um, trying to figure out the root of the seizures that I was having from the trauma to my head. And I met several really great friends. But one of those friends' um, name was Fernando Garcia. And Fernando and I became just awesome, awesome friends. And this was 1986 um, or so. And again, this is Belle Glade, Florida. Um, AIDS is being paid a lot of attention to in Belle Glade. The headlines around the world call Belle Glade the AIDS capital of the world. Um, people are being diagnosed that look different than other people in the rest of the country. Um, but still, it was very much thought of as being a disease of the islanders um, that were working the sugarcane fields, that sort of thing. Um, and Fernando and I became just, we were, we were great friends. And um, as it turns out, he was positive. No one, again, knew what HIV was at that time. And he passed um, in the early 90s. And yet no one had that name for it. No one still knew. And certainly I had no idea that I was positive um, when we were friends. My diagnosis came, um, as many of you know, when I was positive with Garrett in June of 91. So 27 years this month um, marks my awareness of my status, I guess is what we'll call that. And with that, everything in my life, what I thought I knew turned upside down. Um, and my life took a completely different path. Right after we were diagnosed, literally in the first few weeks, I found a support group in Jacksonville. It was called Oslin House. Um, one of the women who helped run that support group, Frida, is still a friend today. Um, she is one of the most amazing women uh, and strong people that I've ever, ever met. 
And I tell people all the time when I speak, and I certainly haven't told her enough, but I wouldn't have lived. I, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that support group and the things those guys were able to teach me um, about myself and about who I was inside and how strong I had the ability to be. But Frida actually, her and her husband, paid for me to go to a program. It was called Life Streams. And I learned how to meditate and I learned how to focus. And it was a weekend retreat that changed my life and made me find the inner strength inside of myself to know that my attitude was going to play a huge part in whether I was going to live with this disease or not. And so um, shortly after we were diagnosed, well, three and a half months, Garrett was born. And most of you know that that was a really hard point in my life. Nurses didn't want to come in and help deliver him. Um, the treatment that I received in the hospital was horrendous. And that was the turning point in my life to know that this wasn't going to be a secret. I wasn't going to be able to live keeping this a secret, that I was going to have to be public. And within a, a few weeks after Garrett was born, Mary Stokes and myself, uh, she was a member of the sport group, we spoke at Baptist Hospital to a bunch of medical professionals and just about our experiences. There was no education involved in it. It was just about our experiences. And that day, the feeling I got when I was done speaking, um, I knew that somehow I was going to be able to make a difference. But I just wasn't sure how that was going to happen. And most of you know that Dan and I um, lost our house and, and our jobs and found ourselves with two babies and not knowing what we were going to do in a pretty short time after our diagnosis and, and my being public. And when we moved home to Clewiston, moving home to Clewiston was just a terrifying proposition. Um, it's, it's a lovely community, but it was a very small community and um, AIDS was not something people were willingly <laughs> Um, admitting to having, but most importantly, it was really close to Arcadia. And Arcadia is where the Ray family had been burned out of their home not long before. The Ray family consisted of a mom and a dad and three hemophiliac sons and a daughter. And when the school system found out the three sons were HIV positive, their home was burned down. And so that fear of what had happened there certainly existed for me and my family. But my parents were so supportive and really were pushing me in a, in a positive way to not have the fear, to be willing to be public, to be willing to share my story and the work that I w had to do. And so um, not long after we moved home, I became a volunteer for a positive link in West Palm Beach and the Comprehensive AIDS Program. They were sponsoring an AIDS walk, and I became their spokesperson, and I started speaking in schools and meeting people. Um, one of the first places I spoke was Carlton Newman High School, and I met um, a couple of folks there that just changed my life forever because going into a Catholic school to talk about HIV AIDS, wow, really, is this, is this going to 
work, but it did work. And the students were so interested in what I had to say and so moved by the story of my children that they actually adopted Lindsay and Garrett for Christmas and um, wanted to know about our family, wanted to be part of our family. And I, I just never, ever, ever will forget um, those kids and that time in that school. But that was the catalyst of my being public. Um, Channel 5, which was an NBC affiliate, Scripps Howard, began following my story at that point. And um, I began appearing on their station a lot. They actually produced a documentary that featured uh, Dan, myself, and the kids that won a, a state Emmy. It was pretty amazing. Um time as far as allowing us to to share our story and to share Lindsay and Garrett's lives and um, what we dreamed for them and, and what we hoped for them. But at this point, a whole bunch of people came into my life that would change my life forever. And the first person that I knew had AIDS that was important to me that came into my life and would die um, his name was Tony Platt and I met him through Positive Link and he worked for Motorola Corporation and Tony had two little dogs and um, he uh, just became such an important part of my and the kids lives and Dan's life early on and he didn't live very long after we met him but he heard me speak and he came to me and said, you know, I, I want to be your friend. I, I need friends. I need people who know I'm positive because he was living a life where no one knew. And so I was definitely absolutely honored to be part of his life. Once the walk finally came, um, in December of 92. Now, you know, actually I say December of 92, but I actually think it, it may have been Halloween in 92. I don't know why I'm thinking that. But anyway, when the walk actually finally got there and came, um, I was standing on stage with Kevin Kitchens, who was a disc jockey for a radio station, a local radio station, an amazing, amazing man. And I was speaking. And in the audience, there was tons of people. We were in a park. And this woman, this mad woman came running up on stage and she was calling my name. And, um, I was, I was terrified. I was like, I couldn't move. And Kevin bent down and he said to me, don't worry. She's not crazy. That's Ma. And Ma Jayasati Bhagavati, um, was a spiritual teacher, is a spiritual teacher at the Kashi Ashram in Sebastian, Florida. And, uh, Ma came on stage and hugged me and started crying. And her students, her her community of folks in Sebastian um, were doing just incredible, incredible AIDS work. And they've continued to do that work all of these years. And she said to me, you need to come home. And I didn't know what in the world she meant when she said to me, I need to come home. I, what what did she mean? But she meant that I needed to come to the ashram and I needed to visit. And um, I started to do that regularly. And I learned how to meditate more. I learned about alternative therapies. I learned about Reiki. But I also found a home, a place that I could just be Kathy. Um, not Kathy the AIDS lady, not Kathy Lindsay and Garrett's mom, not Kathy Dan's wife. 
I could just be Kathy and I had a safe space to be. And the people that were most important in my life as far as shaping who I was going to be as an activist were, were right there. And certainly that was Ma, it was Dumavati, it was a number of folks, Kamari, who lived there, who Bina, um, all of your just your faces are coming through my head so fast right now. But the the time that I spent being present um, at Kashi allowed me to learn so much about myself, but it also allowed me to be part of the dying process with so many people because people were coming to Kashi to die. The ashram had become world famous and known um, that people with AIDS were accepted there and they wound up starting a hospice and I can't tell you how many people came there and lived their last days. Um, but it was such an experience for me to be able to be part of that, to serve those folks at the end of their life. Um, Ma has a saying, there are no throwaway people. And, and those lessons were so, just so valuable to me. Um, with Ma, I traveled a lot. I went to California, um, spoke with her in numerous places out there. Uh, one of the most interesting things I did was I went to Me Mexico for um, Peace and Prayer Day in the middle of the desert with thousands of Sikhs and um, was able to speak to young kids um, who were coming from India and coming from different places and, and really needed to know about HIV prevention and education and awareness because of things that they were facing where they were living and those kinds of things. So by that point in time, which is probably about 98, 97, 98, um, you know, I have now spoken to every religion known to man kind of, and, uh, and was spending just lots of time um, in different churches and different places speaking, um, meeting people. People were dying so fast then. Um, you would meet somebody and, and six months later, three months later, six weeks later sometimes, they were gone. But that short period of time they were in your life, they changed you. And they changed your heart and, and put a place inside of you. Um, at that time people in CAP and different AIDS organizations that I was working with, we would have schedules of who would go to funerals um, because there were just funerals every day and we never wanted people having funerals without people that cared about them being there. And um, it, we just, it was, it was a, an overwhelming time of hope for what the future was going to bring, but tragedy for the friends and, and the loss that we were facing. Um, things began to change though, right about that point when the medicines began to change and things got better and people started living. Um, and in 2001, you, Steve and I, um, started friends together, which is certainly the reason I'm alive today. When Steve died, it would have been easy for me to pull the covers over my head and say, this is it. The straw has broken the camel's back. But I have two kids that call me mom. But I had 400 other kids at that point that called me Mama Kathy. And I knew that those kids expected me to get up and go out and continue the work that I've done. 
I'm so proud of the work that Friends Together has been able to do with the HIV community, with the children, with the families in the state of Florida. Um, our kids are in college. Our kids are graduating high school. Our kids are living that we didn't think we're going to go to middle school. And um, with that comes such a celebration of life, but also an awareness that folks need to know. These kids are living, but now that they're living and they're turning 18, they're losing their Medicaid, they're losing their medicines, and we're having to fight, fight, fight this new battle to keep these children healthy and alive. So those are the new battles that are coming with the, with the hope that we have. Um, this new lack of money that exists has definitely affected the quality and the length of life for our children, our Friends Together children, but also the HIV children around the United States in every state. Um, and what do these kids do now, you know, and how do they tell their status and how do they get help? Um, those are all the new things that we've, we've begun facing in this AIDS um, crisis and battle. But anyway, the last 10 years of Friends Together has been the most meaningful 10 years of my life by far. Um, I thank God every day that I get up for the joy that and every gray hair that these children have given me and that these families have taught me the lessons that they have and that our volunteers, Ken and Julie and Doug and David and, and Wayne and John and Scotty and Debbie and just the hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that have come through Friends Together. Some have stayed the long haul and some were there for short periods of time. But all of you have made a difference in my life, in Lindsay and Garrett's life, and in the lives of all of our Friends Together family. Um, and so I want to take this chance to thank each one of you for that. Um, the last 10 years, 15 years, I've chained myself to the Capitol and been cut off by the Capitol Police. I've testified before Congress. I've traveled the globe. I've been able to speak to folks in all sorts of places. And so I am grateful and thankful for HIV being in my life. I know that when some of you hear that, you're going to say, that is the most crazy thing I've ever heard. If I could change one thing, it wouldn't be my status. The only thing about my life that I would change is the fact that I infected Dan. Um, I had no control of that, no knowledge, no anything else. But if I could change one thing, that one thing would be that um, he would not have lived his life infected with this virus. My status has given me the opportunity to make a mark on the planet that I don't think I would have been able to make otherwise. So therefore, I don't regret one second of living with HIV. Um, I celebrate my life every single day, as I hope each one of you listening to this does. I wish I could name every person out there that's made a difference in my life. Um, there are so many of you that I can't begin to say. All of my friends at Florida Southern College, all of the students who have passed through Healthy Campus, all of the friends and volunteers that have passed through Friends Together, through Florida AIDS Action that became the AIDS Institute, for Rob McMurrow and his family, for Paul Ahrens, for Deb Gardner, for Skip Ciotti, for Fernando Garcia, 
for just all of the folks that have shaped me and made me who I am. Thank you so much. But most importantly, I want to thank my mom, my dad, my brother. Their lives changed completely the day we were diagnosed. I want to thank Steve for being an incredible husband and incredible father to Lindsay and Garrett. And last, but certainly not least, I want to thank Troy for being my husband today, for putting up with me, for supporting me in the work that I do, for hollering at me, for doing too much, for loving me unconditionally, and for being there every day when I wake up to look at me and say, I'm your husband and I'm here for you, whatever you need. Um, thank you, every one of you who listen to this podcast. Um, thank you for indulging me in just reflecting over the last 30 years of my life. I've left so much out. There's so much more of this story to tell. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have several guests on who will reflect over um, HIV and how it's affected their life. Um, this summer, we're just going to talk about it periodically because this isn't a one-day, one-time event. It's not a one-day, one-time event in my life, and it's not going to be a one-day, one-time event for this show. Um, if you're trying to reach us, please do um, reach us on Facebook at our fan page at Straight Talk with Kathy. Reach us on Twitter at Straight Talk Pod. Reach us by email at straighttalkwithkathy at gmail.com. If you have stories of HIV and AIDS for the last 30 years, if you have pictures or memories and you want to send them to me, we're working on a big photo album. So we want to tell everyone's story that we can. So until next week, be the boss of your brain.